wristband batter, strike three call to the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, mercy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Autobot Podcast. My name is Justin Vibber and I'm joined by Niv Shaw and Chad Young. Um, On the last episode we discussed the uh, dynamics of a short season, both for Major League Baseball and in terms of Audinu. So we're going to sort of continue along with that discussion. Uh, On the last episode we mostly talked about uh, at the top level Audinu perspective and and hitters. And I think for this episode we're going to talk some more about pitching. So... um, Niv, was there anything else you wanted to, to add along with that? or No, I just wanted to reiterate from the last episode, we talked a little bit about game caps. Like pitching caps, we're definitely going to um, scale down and prorate to whatever uh, fits with the Major League Baseball season as we see it in 2020. So that's going to give people a lot of flexibility and a lot of interesting options on how to manage their pitching. I think we were talking about hitting a lot in the last episode, and we really ended up uh, covering – a lot of different uh, strategies with the hitting and you know I think the thing we came back to the theme recurring was that it's, we're gonna have to be flexible there's a lot of crazy uh, hypotheticals and a lot of different strategies that teams could employ and there's gonna be a lot of variants that we're gonna have to sort of uh, adjust to in on the hitting side of things in this season and when we're looking at pitching I think the only thing I can say is that that's going to be 10x true for pitching. Uh, pitching is already a high variance uh, side of auto new, and with the flexibility given with openers, with uh, maybe a lot of games a week, so a lot of uh, different starters and openers and following kind of situations, we might see some stuff this year that is going to be real one-off and real high variance and. I'm wondering, uh, Justin and Chad, Chad, I'll start with you, given that you're, um, you're drafting in one league still, and you've already drafted in a couple other leagues. Uh, let's talk about the leagues you've drafted in. What are you trying, what are you looking at with your staff, and how are you going to try to optimize for a shorter 2020 season with the staff that you have right now? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm pulling up right now um, League One, the league that you and I are in, Niv, and, and looking at my roster there. And the thing that immediately jumps out to me about in that league is I only have uh, seven starting pitchers on my roster. Um, that does not include um, a couple of prospects, Sixto Sanchez and Tariq Skubal, who are now, both near gonna... term maybe. I'm going to jump in real quick here, Chad, because I think you even mentioned that before um, all the stuff started happening and um, before we had to have a shutdown and everything, you even mentioned before that you were uncomfortable with seven starting pitchers. Like you thought that was thin. Seven's on the low end for me, right? And I think like typically speaking, I feel like I can get away, especially in a Roto League, I can get away with seven starting pitchers if I really believe in my seven starting pitchers. But if I look at the seven guys I have in that league – they made me nervous before because it's sort of the low end and they're they're not 
I have a bunch of guys that I'm not super confident in. Um, but in a shortened season, I think guys, especially like we don't know what spring training is going to look like. We have no idea how many of these guys have been staying in shape. We don't know how ready they're going to be to ramp up right away. And so I think we might see a bunch of like six man rotations and a bunch of guys getting, you know, skipped starts and stuff like that. Um, and so I think I'm going to need like, like usually I would say I want somewhere between seven and 10 starting pitchers. I think it's more like nine to 11 this year, or nine to 12 this year. Um, and that's where I think when I look at my teams that I have already drafted, it's like, where can I go pick up in this case, maybe three or four starting pitchers for this team. Right. Uh, that's a real problem for that team. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. It's a lot to ask to add, especially in a league that's already drafted and a lot of these staffs are uh, fleshed out, right? Yeah. Like there aren't generally a lot of available pitchers on free agent wires, right? Like it's not a particularly easy position to fill, especially starting. Yeah, and I go look at if I look at my league six seventy, which is my uh, saber points league I'm in. In that league, I have nine starting pitchers, and one uh-huh. of them is Ross Stripling, who I think is a guy whose value probably increases in this in this new world we're in. Yeah, um, and so in that one, I'm like, all right, maybe I need another starting pitcher somewhere. Um, but I, you know, I do think you need a deeper starting rotation than you did before. And I think if I if I look at um, boy, if I look at like that league one draft. I've got three prospects, three yeah. three prospect bats. They are George Valera, Trevor Larnock, and Julio Rodriguez. I am really high on all three of those guys. I don't think any of them see the majors this year. So you're and thinking so, maybe you trade one of those guys. Maybe, but I really don't want to. So now yeah. I've, I've got to like rethink my strategy. <laughs> but it's going to be really hard for me to to balance keeping those guys and having the kind of depth I want everywhere else. Um, I, I probably, what I really need to do there is probably need to move away from some of my corner infield types. I've got a bunch of corner infield types who I think may have actually increased in value in some ways. Um, Dominic Smith, for sure. Like the stuff we um, talked about last episode in yeah, terms yeah. of, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I, I may need to move on from some of them in order to find a way to get more pitching on that team. Because I just think I'm- we're going to need more pitching depth across the board. I'm going to throw out a couple ideas here, and Justin and Chad, I'll let you guys run with this, um, but I'm interested in your thoughts, um, and this is coming from a person who built uh, very clearly the most high-variance, high-risk, high-reward staff in League One of any league ever, uh, where you know I have Glasnow, I have Lamette, I have Freed, I have Lizardo and Puck, like I have all these guys that either their arm's going to fall off in the first week, or, uh, or at least that the way I was thinking about the season was that if they all hit or if three fourths of them hit, I'm in great shape. And if, uh, but there's a very good chance that a bunch of them get hurt. Now we're looking at a season where, um, as a motorcycle drives by my window, (laughs) uh, we're looking at it. Sorry about that guys. Uh, we're looking at a season where, uh, I think the expectation is that there's going to be a lot more games crammed into fewer days um, even if it's not a full 162, we're going to look at more games and fewer days in general, uh, fewer off days, and uh, and deeper rosters. So we're looking at probably a lot of teams looking at uh, openers or looking at uh, bullpen days or looking at six-man rotations even. And and I'm also going to posit, and this is this is more of an instinctual uh, thing for me, but I you know I'm happy to be pushed back on this. I think that generally pitching 
speeds up faster than hitting. Like, guy, like after time off, uh, pitchers, the mechanics, you can work on the mechanics uh, in any situation. Timing for hitting is a little bit harder to come back. And timing for hitting, you know, requires seeing major league, major league pitching. Um, pitching is, it doesn't require having a Mike Trout in the batting cage, right? So I would posit that we might see some inflated pitching success at the beginning of the season and um and maybe a dip uh, a reduction in the in the types of injuries that have made pitching really frustrating um and and upsetting in the last couple of years because there will be more guys available and uh pitchers will be able to be controlled a little bit like used in in safer situations right you're not pushing anyone back if someone's feeling a little tired it's okay if they're like they're, they might get six days between sessions instead of five. It's it's okay. You have enough arms in the ban- in the pen and on your roster to deal with that. So like like first of all, do you think those two assumptions track? And second of all, like how does that affect the kinds of players that you think get a bump out of this season? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I necessarily agree with the idea that it, uh, pitching comes along quicker than hitting does. Um, my impression has always been that it's the opposite. I, I don't know that there's a way to verify which of those two assumptions might be correct, but um, I, I think for me that I I think a lot of these teams are going to take the approach that, that the Dodgers have taken really in recent years where they they cycle through a lot more pitchers in their, in their starting rotation. Um, and, you know, every, every team's going to have to, I think, by, by virtue of the way this season is going to go, they they are not going to have much of a choice. They're going to have to have a lot more pitching depth and cycle in more more guys. I'm really curious to see if more teams take the the opener, bulk reliever strategy um, any further. If we see more of that or if we see less of that, because um, I think that specific aspect of pitching in Audenu really can throw valuations for a loop. Where you know it's it's sometimes it's helpful to have a guy that's technically a starter because he's only going to go the first inning um, and then a bulk reliever in a points league can be very valuable because you're getting relief innings um, on a somewhat consistent basis and you're getting a lot of them at once which really helps because you're getting more points in general out of relief innings than you are starting innings um, but I, I'm not sure I think I think the my I build my rotation is very similar to what sounds like you build yours nivs where mine tend to be very sort of high variance um risky arms i seem to own a lot of guys that get injured i seem to own a lot of younger pitchers rather than veteran pitchers and um i think a lot of those guys are going to get more opportunity this year um but you know i i think that's because of the way i build my rosters i think i'm already have a really glaring weak spot with a lack of pitching depth depth in my leagues like i've just spent the last couple minutes while you guys were talking looking at my rosters and my pitching depth is is not very good. And I think a lot of that is because in a normal season, I'm okay running behind the innings pace in a points league. Right. Um, and knowing that I can either make trades or, or free agent acquisitions to sort of catch up later. It's a lot easier to do that with pitching than it is hitting. We've talked about that before. Um, but with this season, with all the unknowns, I think I'm in a worse spot than I normally would be because I think I really do need, like like Chad said, I really do need to go out and get some more pitching. And and he's right. Like, well, then who do you drop, right? Because you have other guys. If assuming you've already drafted, you you probably have other guys you're not 
the guys that aren't going to help you right now are also those prospects that you probably have some emotional attachment. I would never tr- don't drop Julio Rodriguez. I don't care what's going on. Um, <laughs> He's not going anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> I but, was just about to send you a trade offer, Chad. I guess and, I can't now. And as we talked about in the last episode, and I, you know, I, I brought up the fact that I think that I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a lot of these guys that aren't on forty-man rosters, and I think that's one of the reasons why you're going to have to find players that you have to cut to make room for all this extra depth you're going to need now that more of your hitters, and now in this case we're just specifically talking about pitchers, are, aren't getting as much of the bulk playing time as they otherwise would, and you need to sort of have built-in um, reinforcements. I, I don't know how anybody could carry a prospect that isn't going to isn't going to see the field this year. Like It's just going to be so – if you want to compete. Now, if you're not competing, then it's the same calculus as it normally is. Then you can go out there and, and target these guys that might come cheaper than they otherwise ever would – um, because the owners that have them are really interested in, in getting things that help right now, and they can't they can't afford. You know, normally Autonews deep with forty man rosters, but this season I think it's really going to stress test that for everybody, right? That actually wants to compete. So, yeah. I think you know, Niv, getting getting back to your question of whether or not those two assumptions, two assumptions you made were that pitching comes along quicker and that uh, we'll see fewer injuries. I, I I actually I fully disagree with the second. I, I think that teams will be more conservative and they will do more to try to protect their arms and you will see more six man rotations and you will see more pitch counts and innings limits and stuff like that. Um, especially given the lack of sort of normal spring training ramp up and prep. Um, but I don't think we have any evidence to be really confident in that. Those are all good decisions that actually limit injuries. Yeah, that's a good point actually. Like now that you say it like that, like these injuries happen because they happen, right? So that's that's fair enough. Yeah, I just like there may be things teams can do that would actually meaningfully decrease injury risk. I just don't know that we or they know what those things are. <laughs> right. And so I, I uh, I'm not. I don't think we're going to see. I, I think if anything, we may see an increase in injuries because guys just aren't as as they're not in their routine and they aren't as ready as they otherwise would be. Uh-huh. But I really don't know. Well, I and think, we. Sorry, I, I was going to say, well, we don't know also this ramp up, right, for that they're going to have some sort of spring training, and that's not going to be a typical spring training. So I, from what I understand, that's that's been the larger concern is that without a, a more normal ramp up spring training for a lot of these arms, especially the starting pitchers, that, that they may be more prone to to injuring themselves because they don't have that routine that, that they need to get ready to go for the season. And if, that if there's, if any of that is rushed, it might be, um, they might be more likely to get hurt than they otherwise would because they didn't have the normal preparation that they're used to. Um, now maybe that's not the case. Maybe they're going to build in, uh, uh, the, the spring training that's, that's going to be the same as it otherwise would. And, and they can get these pitchers healthily ramped up to, to, to be starting pitchers. But I think that's the concern that I've seen that, if they're not getting a normal routine, is are we going to see a lot more guys blowing out their elbow than we otherwise would? I think to Niv's other point, though, I, my my hope would be, and we've seen us, we've certainly seen a lot of these videos pop up on social media, but my hope would be that most of these starting pitchers and relievers are throwing right now. Right, right. They don't need, like Niv was saying, yeah. they don't need live hitters necessarily to be getting their arm in shape. Um, and so my, my hope is that most of those guys are out there throwing, they're getting themselves ready, they're trying to stay in shape, they're going to be good to go. Um, but it's hard to say. Now, I think, Niv, you, you brought that up and talking about sort of pitching coming along first because they've been able to 
in theory, stay in game shape while the hitters haven't seen live pitching, or at least not real live pitching, and, and won't really get a chance to for a while. Um, I, I, I'm not sure... I'm not sure how that's going to balance out with the with the weather change, right? So oh, that's a good typically point. speaking, you yeah. get the, that start of the season where you've got games in places like you know Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, um, where it's cold and the air is a little heavier and it just the ball doesn't fly as well and it stings like crap when you make contact and all that kind of stuff. And offense is a little bit down in those kind of places early, and you constantly hear it. I mean. When you watch a cold weather team, and, and you know, Niv, you're you're an Indians fan like I am. Justin, you're you're also a fan of the Cubs, so you got we, we have, we're cold weather fans here. You yeah. hear constantly in April and May, yeah. the offense will get going when the weather warms up. The offense yeah. is going when the weather warms up. <laughs> offense is going to be like we're there's no warming up. We're starting in July. It's gonna July be and July in Arizona or whatever. July yeah. at home, yeah. And I'm I sort of wonder if now maybe that gets balanced by the end of the season being you know late October or something like that. But Whenever I, I, falls, I think yeah. that we're going to jump right into the meat of the season where offenses are actually usually have a little bit of an advantage compared to where they are in April. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I, if you, if you yeah. had to push me right now, I, and you know, I, I hear what both of you guys are saying. And um, I, I think if I was to take a risk in 2020, I would buy on pitching that I would otherwise find to be risky. And now uh, you know, Justin touched on it. Like, I already have bought a lot of risky pitching, but and and that's generally how I try to build my staff anyway. But I think I would double down on that strategy this year. But that might be just speaking to the variance, right? Um, if anything else, like if nothing else, all things equal, like we don't really know how this is going to play out in a compressed season. Uh, pitching is higher variance than hitting. Uh, generally, so compressed season, you have a better chance, or you have a chance of getting some real outliers in pitching, right? Yeah, that could really be transformative. In, in the last episode, when we talked about hitters, um, Justin made a point about guys like Mike Trout, who, like, when they play, they're going to play. They're not going to get pulled. They're going to play every single game that they can possibly play, and they're going to play every inning of every game that they start. Um, versus even guys uh, one step down from that who might get pulled for defensive replacements or pinch runners more often, who might get more off days, like things like that. Um, And his comment on that, which I I think I disagreed with a little bit last time, but the more I think about it, the more I think it makes sense, was that it may make a guy like Trout even more valuable because you can really rely on him. And I bet there's pitchers who are in the same boat. And and like a guy like like Justin Verlander comes to mind. Yeah, he was... Verlander's going to throw his innings. Max Scherzer is probably going to throw his innings. I I, I find it hard to believe that either one of those guys is not in shape, ready to go. Ready to go right now. if, If somebody said opening day is tomorrow, Verlander would show up and strike out 10. And be pissed, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. And and, and that that actually brings another question to mind. Do you think that those those sort of veteran pitchers who are used to going out there and pitching deep into games, do you think they might be arguing with their managers to pitch – an extra inning here and there, you know, because they know they're not getting 30 starts this year, right? right. So are they, do you think that they could make the argument that let me go six and a half rather than five and a half or seven innings rather than six um, to absorb more of those innings for the sake of the team? Because they know they, they're still only going to pitch, you know, 120 innings, even if they pitch that frequently in a half season. Um, I yeah. wonder if we might see – now, I don't think that would be across the board, but maybe some of these veterans that are like, you know what, you're not taking me out of the game. You know, 
let me stay out there. Let me go deeper in the game. It helps the team, and I know I can absorb that those extra that extra strain because I'm not pitching the bulk of innings. And you know, I, I don't know. Trade off there is that there's a deep they're deeper bullpens, and so the teams are actually better positioned than they right. normally would be to handle this. And so yes. maybe that I, I I don't know, but I do think. Um, Older veteran players and guys who have an established track record of being able to throw deep into games and long innings, like um, a guy like Luzardo, who Niv mentioned, like they're going to be hyper cautious with him. Yes, they're not going to do anything to mess around with him. They don't really know what he's capable of. He doesn't know what he's capable of. Um, whereas a guy like Verlander. Not only do you have a better sense of what he's capable of, and not only does he have a long track record of being able to just go deep into games and deep into seasons, but I would guess he is less concerned than your average pitcher about what happens if he injures himself this year. Like he's near the end of his career. He's got his ring. Like he's not he's not in the same boat. Same thing with a guy like well, Scherzer potentially. Yeah, you know, and it's not only that, but they were they're also under contract, right? I mean, yeah. they they they've signed their contract, whereas some of these young guys, they're really playing for their first contract, right? They're still under team control. And, right. you know, it's its more, they have more disincentive to risk themselves. Um, not that it's always up to them. I mean, it's going to be up to the team and it's going to be up to the manager. But um, I think that's a good point that a guy like Verlander, not only is he going to ar- maybe maybe potentially argue that he could burden that, take that extra burden on his arm, but he also doesn't have as much downside if something were to go wrong. Now, the team I, does. The team doesn't want him to get injured with as much as they're invested right. in, but... Uh, I, I would think that, um, and again, this is, I, I, I would think that everyone across the board is going to uh, reduce risk as much as possible. And I think it's what, you know, Chad touched on there about uh, the bullpens being deeper. Um, we're going to, I mean, we were looking at 13, 14 man bullpens last year. Like with a th- uh, three man, we have a three man minimum this year, which is going to be weird. But. We're gonna have more pitchers than fourteen in a bullpen, right? Like, like teams are gonna carry more than fourteen pitchers. So I think there's just gonna be more caution for everyone. I don't think uh, Lizardo versus. I think your points are fair uh, in terms of their incentives and everything. But I mean, unless a manager is just willing to get run over, like these guys are gonna be directed pull pull the pitchers right away. Like there's yeah. no reason not to, right? And so uh, you may not see. Uh, uh, let me say it this way. I guess you're not going to necessarily see 250, 300 strikeouts, right? But you are going to see, a pre- I think you are going to see a pretty good K per nine because most of these guys are going to know, what, you know, after five innings, I'm pretty much done. Like, it doesn't matter if I'm pitching, unless I have a no-hitter going. Like, there are too many dudes uh, that that can pitch a, a very good inning but that haven't pitched in the last three days waiting behind me. Like, very few guys are going to go super deep into games, I think, because there's just no incentive to. It's going to be September baseball the whole season, right? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's generally true. I just think that the the impact on a guy like Verlander or Scherzer um, is going to be less uh, than it is on an impact than, than on most guys. And so as a result, it's sort of, like I said, going back to that Trout conversation, I still think Trout's going to get more off days than he otherwise would because right. the benches are deeper, because they're playing so often. I just think that the impact on him will be less than it will be on a guy who's even a half step down from that. Right, so right, like, sure. That makes sense. I just think that teams are going to be... Writing... Like, even if it's be, a relative writing, yes. it's going to still be a writing of a, right. of a war horse there. 
Right. They might ride Verlander 90% as much as they otherwise would have, but everyone else is going to get 50% of what they otherwise would have. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> so a fair point. So then, like, what kind of... So you mentioned Verlander and Scherzer. Like, Justin, are there other pitchers you think fall in that class of, like, proven to be able to handle the workload and veteran enough that um, everyone is confident in riding them? Yeah, I mean, DeGrom would be another one that would come to mind. Um, you know, but I think it's it's really those those top aces that are, you know, that are veterans that could even begin to make that argument. But I think Chad's right. Ultimately, it's going to be the team's going to decide – um, how much these these players are going to be ridden, and I also think he's right that really it's it's not as much about the the absolute number of innings that they're pitching, but relative to the to the other options that we have as auditing owners. And I think that's that's where those those top aces maybe are going to be able get a small bump in value. Yeah, to, um, to, to throw some other names out there of guys who I think are going to be in that that camp, um, I expect Mad Bum, Madison Bumgarner is going to throw yeah. every inning he can throw. Um, I think Zach Grinke is going to probably throw a lot of innings. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the Reds are going to do, and we haven't really seen him there very long, but Trevor Bauer does not appreciate being taken out of games. Yeah, and- Trevor Bauer is <laughs> definitely going to roll over some managers right. this year, pitching no, coaches for this sure. year. And that's the thing is ba- Bauer is well, either that or he's going to decide that the deal that the MLBPA is getting is crap and he's not going to show up, which, which right. is he's also gonna pitch a possibility. In, well, you could also just pitch in Korea all year. That's very right. possible. But if, but if he shows up, I think he's going to throw a ton of innings. Um I think that you're you're gonna have some interesting questions with guys like a guy like Mike Leak. Like Mike Leak is not an ace by any means, but if you're yeah. talking about a guy who I think I can just go out there and let him do his thing and throw as many innings as he's capable of absorbing, he certainly falls into that camp for me. Um, and so, so, let me ask you the flip of that question, Chad. If you had um, who's a fragile ace to you? Who's an ace that might see a reduction that? You know, in a regular season, you might say is on par with a Scherzer Verlander type, but in a shorter season, you're a little bit more nervous about. So I think the I think the Indians are going to be cautious with Shane Bieber. Um, I think like messing, he's he's too young and has too much of a future, and I think that they're gonna they're gonna want to be a little bit careful with him. Um, uh, sticking with the Indians, you've got Clevenger and Carrasco both coming back from injury already. Uh, and so I think that there there will be some caution there. Um, right, that makes sense. I think I'm right now. I'm looking at like guys who led the league in innings pitched last year. Um, other names that pop up here, like Charlie Morton, threw 194 innings last year. I don't know what to expect with him. He's like nearing the end of his career, but he's also had some injury issues in his past. And the Rays are usually a pretty cautious team. And he he even mentioned wanting to retire. Right? I mean, like yeah. So I, He's I don't know what's thinking about with him. it. Um, I think uh, like some other younger guys like Jack Flaherty with the Cardinals, Jose Barrios with the Twins, who like I just think their teams are gonna want to make sure they're taking care of their arms. Right. And then the the guys who finished seventh and eighth in innings pitched last year were Lance Lynn and Mike Miner for the Rangers. They were both excellent. They both have good long track records. They both are guys who I think you 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 let them get into a rhythm last year and you let them go with that rhythm and i'm not sure how quickly they get into that same rhythm this year Mm -hmm. the the other thing i was thinking about while you guys were were discussing some of these things and i think it was something that chad said that that triggered the idea in my head is how much are these teams going to have a problem just 
getting these guys innings if they haven't pitched in six or seven days? I mean, is that going to make it more? Is that going to be an argument for why these starting pitchers aren't going to go as deep into games? And I think Chad did kind of mention it, but I'm just thinking of. I mean, you get to a point where if you've got so many pitchers on your active roster and you know you can't send them down to get work, right? So you need to get them work or you're risking their injury, you know, risking them getting getting hurt when they do pitch. It, could that be a, an effect that people aren't going as many innings because you just have so many guys at the back end of your bullpen that you need to keep getting into games to keep them healthy and keep them in a routine? Um, I wonder about that as well. And and how many pitchers they're going to carry. And you, at a certain point, you can't let a guy sit on, on the bench for seven days and not pitch. But I wonder if we see teams do things like have guys who are scheduled to work in a game and they're going to work in the game. So like you've got, you know, nine relievers, 10 relievers, or you're using the taxi squad to move guys in and out. But you've got five guys who like, they come in in the afternoon, they get their work in in the afternoon before the game starts because you're not even going to bother with them that night. And then you've got two or three guys who doesn't matter what's going on, they will pitch in the game. Right. And that might be like almost the way you do spring training or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. Today is going to be, you know, five innings of Luis Castillo and then an inning of Amir Garrett and then an inning of no matter what the game circumstances call for. Right. Because these guys need to get work. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be sort of a combination of these things. Like we talked a little bit about it um, in the hitter hitter portion of this conversation about uh, you know, losing a year of development and making sure that you don't, if you have a guy who is close to ready and really not being able to afford losing a year of development and it might result in, or it should result in a lot of teams carrying probably more starting pitchers than they normally would. Right. Because you can't sacrifice a year of a starting pitcher development. Like that would just be really costly. And then I wonder if like, just we're going to see a lot of six man rotations with set bullpens. Like, this is this is the starter today, and here are the guys who are coming after him. And you know, you can the manager has maybe a little leeway to change the order in which they come based on handedness or whatever. But you know, you have a three man minimum anyway, so there's not like a ton of of situational stuff to consider. Or, or it's reduced. Minimum, I wonder if the three man minimum goes away. Yeah, yeah, I wondered about that too. That I mean, that's a pretty big question, right? I, I, it seems that uh, that if it doesn't, you're going to just have a lot of uh, we already know who's pitching. <laughs> we already know who's pitching the eighth inning on Thursday on Monday, right? Like, you you're gonna have a lot of that stuff if if you remove the situational aspect of it, and and I think you know if you consider the injury risks, as you know, it sounds like um, all three of us would be pretty cautious generally about uh, pitching uh, coming back without the spring training and all that stuff. Like we, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't really toy around with how many innings a reliever gets to pitch in a week and how many innings a starter gets to pitch in a week. I, I really would keep those numbers as low as possible. Um, right? I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just not sure what to expect teams to do with their rotations <laughs> and their bullpens at all. Um, I'm going to ask you guys one other question here. We're, we're going through our notes. Uh, we talked about this again on the hitting side uh, a little bit. A little bit more vague, but I, I'm going to look for some concrete answers on the pitching side. In terms of prospects, like what are you, what are you thinking about this year? Like we, we're speculating that there isn't going to be a minor league baseball season, and uh, a lot of teams aren't going to want to lose a year of development for their top prospects. And obviously, tough choices are going to have to be made. Um, are there any prospects that you're watching that are near 
near ready or, or ready for work uh, that, you know, would have a, a steady double A AA or triple A job this year that you think might be impactful for an auto new owner um, in 2020? Well, I mean, I had mentioned Mackenzie Gore in the last episode. I think he's definitely a name. I think the the Tigers pitchers um, with Scooble and um, oh my God, I just blanked on the other two. But um, Manning and Mize, right? Manning and, and and Mize. I think you know those are names that jump out to me. I think the the Puck and Luzardo in Oakland. Um, you know, those types of guys that were probably going to be getting an appearance this year anyway. Um, but maybe they're they're going to be there for this season's version of opening day uh, because there's no reason for them not to be at this point. If there's expanded rosters and if they're they, they can't get sent to a minor league affiliate to get to get playing time anyway, then they're on the major league roster. Um, and I, I think those are the biggest ones that jump out to me right now. Um, and, and I think you also could see that on the reliever end too, right? Like I know that that the Indians demoting Karinchak was a procedural move, and he was probably going to be with, with the team this year, no matter what, but you might see more of those guys that, um, you know, they, they, they're not shuttling back and forth, right? They only have one option. They're either playing or they're, or they're not playing. So they're going to be on the active roster. Um, yeah. The, the tigers are the ones who jump out at me as well, where like, if they don't have a good option for those guys, um, they have nothing to lose. They expect to be terrible. Right. So if they call right. these guys up and they're not ready and they're kind of terrible, as long as they're still developing and it's not hurting their development, you have nothing. You, there's no downside. And what if they come up and they're great? And what if they're like, good? Yeah. Like, yeah. All of a sudden, you look at the Tigers, and if they say, screw it, my our, our rotation opening day is going to be Boyd, Mize, Manning, Scooble. And those are our top four pitchers. They, they, there's a possibility they have one of the best rotations in baseball. It could it's be not fun. Likely, but yeah. it's certainly yeah. possible. Yeah, um, it's, a, and it's one of those unknowns. Exciting. But uh, you know, and the, other and, other names that that jump out of, of prospect pitchers who I think have have jumped in value potentially for for twenty twenty purposes. Um, Sixto Sanchez with the Marlins, another team that has nothing to lose, and you, you don't want to waste his development. He was pretty yeah. Good he was anyways. he was far away from the majors until all of a sudden he's not now, right? Yeah. Like. Like the the knock on him is that he's a little bit further away, but I don't know if he is going to be because he's just such an important piece of their future. And he should be starting the year in like at least double A, if not triple A, this year. So like, what else are you going to do with him? Um, yeah, I think the Dodgers probably go with a deeper rotation, and so Dustin May becomes more valuable. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we see Spencer Howard sooner than we thought we would have with the Phillies. Uh, I think we see Nate Pearson much more with the Blue Jays than we otherwise would have. Um, um. I, the other guys that I like that I think were maybe not as high ceiling, but um, probably have more of a role this year than they otherwise otherwise would would be like Belazovic with the Twins, uh, Joe Ryan for the for the Rays, um, Chris Bubich for the Royals. Those kind of pitchers that had very successful minor league years last year, and they probably don't have that much more to prove. And they, you know, they, I don't know that the team accelerating them to this year, and they're necessarily losing a year of service time. Um, but I think those pitchers would be the teams would view them as as good enough pitchers to actually help them this year um, and, and, and you know, would be worth carrying on whatever active extended after after they have. So, yeah, I think I think the big thing here is I would pay very, very close attention early on once transactions are unlocked to yeah. what teams do, because I'm not sure who those guys are on every team. Um, I look at the the Indians, who are the team I know best, and there's names like um, Scott Moss, who was one of the guys who came over in the 
uh, Bauer, Puig, Franmil Reyes trade. Um, a guy like Sam Henches, um, like these aren't, they're not prospects per se. They're not guys who are like, like, and that's on top of guys like Tristan McKenzie or Logan Allen who, who are prospects, right? Right. Um, but they've got these guys who it's like, man, if I don't want to mess with McKenzie, who's had injury issues and stuff like that, but I want to get an extra arm in there. Like Scott Moss is an interesting player who they probably don't need to play service time games with, who they can be a little bit looser with his development. And like all of a sudden, maybe he's, he's valuable and interesting. I'm not sure who those guys are across the league. I, I, I don't, I, I, but I'm, but I'm going to be watching really closely those early transactions. Once a decision is made and a plan is set, who suddenly gets added to a 40 man roster that wasn't on it before, or who's getting more work in the, whatever spring training happens than I would have expected. Um, and I'm going to just grab some of those guys and see, or, or watch them for spot starts or, or whatever. Cause I think you're going to need to be really sort of flexible with your, your starting pitching to get your innings filled out this year. Yeah. I mean, me as an, as an auto new owner, what I would be doing is looking at the pitchers that had very strong double A AA and triple A seasons last year that maybe aren't on prospect lists. So they're yeah. not really considered to be, um, you know, top prospects. And, and because I think you see that a lot with pitching, right. And, and in some respects, that's kind of what Shane Bieber was. He was a guy, and Kyle Hendricks, as a as a you know an example from years and years ago, as a guy who performed really well in the minors, just wasn't didn't really have a lot of prospect pedigree, um, but they translated that performance once they made the major leagues. And I think those are the types of guys that these teams might be willing to take a risk on because they they promote them to the forty man roster if they give them a try and it doesn't work. Um, they can DFA them and, and they're not losing service time for a guy that they know is definitely in their plans for six years for the next six years. And there's also the consideration that we don't know how many minor league baseball, even when it's back, how much is going to be contracted, right? Yeah, like, are we going to lose there. one or two levels and they're just not going to have as many organizational arms as they otherwise would. So they don't mind sort of the potential of risking some of these organizational arms um, because they know that eventually they're going to have to, they're going to have to trim their, their minor league system anyway. So um, I mean, those are it, from a strategy standpoint, that's what I'd be looking at, looking at, at the, the minor league performances from last year. And then as Chad said, definitely looking to see which of those players get promoted to the active rosters for this short season and, so, and take flyers on a bunch of those guys because so you're going to need. I'm just playing around right now. I went into fan graphs. I pulled up a leaderboard for what they call upper minors, right? So it's double A and triple A. Yep. All pitchers with a hundred plus innings pitched those two levels. Yep. And I sorted by FIP because why not? Let's just see who pops up here. And so some of the names, the top two guys are Matt Manning and Sixto Sanchez, who we already talked about. And like, yeah, they're, they're, they're future studs. The next guy who shows up is Matt Tomshaw, who I've literally never heard of, who appears to be in triple A for the White Sox. He had 111 innings pitched last year with 9.5K per 9 and 1.6 walks per 9. 2.96 FIP. I don't know who this guy is. I have no idea if he's any good. And and he's 30 or 31. He just turned 31. He just turned 31, yeah. He's not going to be – he's not in their plans. He's an organizational arm. But he he might – you know, they need need innings, right? And Right, if everyone – if we're looking at everyone having a six-man rotation – like Matt Tomshaw is your sixth six starter, right? Like it's yep. perfect. Yeah. The next well, guy Chad, that shows up on that list should... is Alec Bettinger. Mm-hmm. Brewers double A. He he's more of a prospect I and mean, he's still twenty three, but he's not like a 
he's not you know a, a top top prospect, but right. he was very good across uh, mostly in Double A last year. It looks like maybe he gets some time. Um, and then you get another organizational guy, Mickey Janice, thirty one years old. He uh, let's see, he's in it with the Orioles. He's actually thirty two now. He's he turned thirty one during the season, so he's thirty two now. Uh, he threw 125 innings last year um, across Double A and Triple A, actually for the Mets, and was was really bad in six Triple A innings. But I'm going to ignore those. But in 119 Double A innings, had a 2.54 FIP. Um, he he got away with uh, some some low home run for fly ball rates that he probably can't sustain, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's something there, right? Like, I'm not really sure right. what, what, what's going to happen. And the Orioles certainly have nobody else that they're <laughs> worried about right now. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and if they and the other thing not? I think that we, we might need to think about too, is, is like how, how sensitive are these teams going to be to going out and there are, there are pitchers right now that are free agents and how sensitive are they going to be to not going out and signing those guys, but instead just promoting organizational depth, because I have a feeling the teams are going to be very, um, you know, very much cost prohibitive in their in their transactions this year with the uncertainty of everything going on. So maybe they're less likely to go out there and, and sign the veteran starting pitcher because they have a couple injuries early in the season. Yeah. And instead, they just promote one of these organizational arms and say, OK, well, you're you're in the bigs now and let's see what you got, because this is your shot. So. Yeah, I mean, now I'm looking more into this Mickey Janice guy. He shows up in a Fangraphs article from last February, February of 2019, about knuckleballers. He is a knuckleballer who throws with R.A. Yeah. Dickey-like velocity, this says, according to Jay Jaffe. Uh, you know what? I may I may just go get him. He's a <laughs> high-velocity knuckleballer. Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah. why not, right? That sounds like... Sounds but, like but that's but that's I mean this this conversation and then these names that's exactly what I meant like these guys that maybe they're not really in the long term picture for these teams but they need you know they may need you know a sixth seventh eighth ninth starter and they can't just keep them in the minor leagues and and they're going to get a shot to to play in the major leagues this year so I wouldn't be surprised if half the guys we've mentioned are 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 in the plans and and are going to get meaningful time this year so. Yeah. The, the other thing I want, I want to make sure we talk about, we only have sort of a few minutes left here, I think, but we haven't talked a ton about bullpen as it relates to auto new. We've said that teams are going to carry deeper bullpens, um, but what does that mean for, for me as an auto new owner? Uh, well, I was actually going to ask a question. Uh, yeah. Do you guys think there's going to be, well, I mean, this is maybe not an either or question, but, uh, you know, I think what we'll see this year is some teams are going to really employ those bullpen days and other teams will employ the maybe a deeper rotation, six-man rotation. Do you think you'll see more of one of those than the other? And, you know, like how does that affect your composition on the auto news side? Bullpen days meaning like we're just going to throw six guys for an inning. Yeah, everyone, kind of everyone gets an inning. Everyone gets one to two innings. And yeah. it's not even like an opener follower situation. It's more like, you know, like a pure, like, Everyone's getting work except a starter today. Yeah, the Indians did that once or twice last year. Um, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying not to speculate on stuff that I don't feel like I can possibly answer, and that's one that's just like I have no idea if teams are going to do that more or not. Yeah, I mean that's just something I'm going to track really close in the first yeah. couple weeks, right? Like because some teams are going to just show their hand, like hey, Thursday's bullpen day for us, or you know, like uh, like what Justin was saying, some of these guys that 
don't really have a future otherwise are going to be our six starters now. Like, right. I think teams are going to have to choose one of those paths. Yeah, and I think that the big advantage of the bullpen days as a, as a fantasy owner is a lot of times they telegraph ahead of time who's playing, which means you can really be aggressive about moving guys in and out of your lineup and be like, oh, I know for sure that this guy's going to get an inning today, and so I'm going to use him. I think right. the challenge with that is you lose some of the advantage that bullpen innings have because those innings are not going to include save and hold chances for the most part. Um, and so you've got to balance that, but like you do have an opportunity to get more of those relief innings in. I, I think the bigger thing and the thing I am willing to speculate on is deeper bullpens is going to mean more guys get work, which means that fewer guys get lots of innings. And so right. you guys who are going to get, you know, 70, 80, 85 innings in a full yeah. season no in, way. in a half season are not going to get half of that. They're going to get, they're not going to get 40 innings. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so uh, to me, um, I think you're going to see fewer and fewer guys work back-to-back days because yep. there's just no reason to do it. And so I'm expecting that, especially for my points leagues, where those relief innings are just so valuable, um, I'm going to carry a deeper bullpen. So usually I would carry six or seven. I might carry seven or eight now. And I'm going to be super aggressive about, like, you pitched yesterday, you're not in my lineup today. Right. Um, and I'm going to get other guys in there, and I'm going to really try to max out those relief innings because I don't think you're going to be able to max them out by having, you know, uh, that whoever it is that was going to go 90 innings instead of the, you know, 60 that most guys go. And I think if, if you couple that with if they retain the three batter minimum rule, then I think you're, you're like, there's just going to be no game specific specialization. It's rather going to be, this guy goes this, like we talked about before this, you know, we need these, these pitchers have to go on Tuesday. These pitchers are going to go on Wednesday. It's all scheduled based on that. And which the good news for us as auto new owners is that makes it more predictable for us to, to know who to put in our, our bullpen lineup for that day. Um, and I think, you know, I agree with, with Chad hundred percent. I, I would be removing anybody that, that has already pitched the day before, um, pretty much as a general rule. Now we get to a point here, right, where we're talking about well, we're going to need to carry more starting pitchers. We're going to need to carry more relievers. We might need to carry more hitters to absorb the fact that more of our hitters aren't getting regular <laughs> playing time. Yeah, those roster spots have to come from somewhere. And I think maybe maybe what that means is we're just going to see a wider gap this year in Audinu between the teams that decide, you know what, I'm going to punt and I'm going to put pressure on, you know, these contenders and. And I'm going to collect the best asset assets I can because, and then the other fact is Chad's right. I mean, in general, you should be more reluctant to sell this year because it's a short season and, and there's a lot more variance in what can happen. And, you know, any, a, a, a poor roster is going to have a much better chance of competing this year than, than in past years. But I still think there's going to be people that are going to aggressively try to collect these, these prospects that are more available this year than they will be otherwise. And it's going to be very interesting. There's going to be some very, I think it's going to shake up the market, right? Like, I think... Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, I the, think, bi- the, the yeah. biggest downside to me producing the surplus calculator and producing dollar values is that sometimes it makes things a little stagnant in terms of, well, I'm not trading this guy for that guy because the surplus calculator says it's not a good deal. And it sort of bogs down the market inefficiencies, inefficiencies that actually create, you know, transactions, that actually create right. interesting results. And, I think, yeah, I think, like, you know, just to your point, Justin, like, it, it seems to me pretty... 
like a pretty uh, interesting outcome could be the there like 2021 auction drafts. Like when you're starting your season in 2021, there are going to be a lot of double A top 100 guys just around, right? Yeah. Like someone just wasn't able to hold them, and uh, and and there were enough teams that were messing around with competing that up into the end of the season, uh, you weren't able to find a way to stash them or whatever. And there's going to be a lot of guys that, and, and, and also like the other side of it is like, there are going to be guys who lose a development year and then we're going to have to ha- have a sort of a resetting of what their values even are. Right. Yep. And, and when you're th- talking about that, like 2021 could be a really interesting market, assuming that, um, you know, this season comes off in a short way and then, 2021 is closer to normal um, with a minor league system uh, in play, like where these guys are getting their development back. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these like single A, double A guys that that maybe just need to have their salary reset to zero and, ha- and be re-auctioned because nobody knows what they're worth. Yeah. And sounds and like I think a topic it, we should cover in yeah. December. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, we it definitely it's, would. And I, I think in general, it's a good thing, right? Like I really do... Like it, it's it's uncertain times, and everyone, you know, is probably worrying about well, how do I navigate strategy this year? And it's it's going to be tough, but I think it's also going to make things a little more interesting, a little more fun. That we all sort of have to think on our feet this year. Um, and and yeah, there there might it might shake loose some extra surplus that wouldn't be there normally. And, and but I think that's a good thing. I think it's gonna um, it's gonna make things more interesting. And because things get predictable, it get, they they're not as fun, right? So this that's is definitely sure. not going to be a predictable season. That's right. All right. Well, I think um, you know we we spent longer than we expected just just on these two portions of these episodes. So uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna stop here. Our next episodes, we're gonna start doing some positional episodes, talking about specific players at positions and and positional specific strategies for this upcoming season. Um, and, and and I think we're gonna kick off with catcher uh, in the next episode. But um, at some point too, I'm also gonna reach out to people. Uh, our listeners and ask if they have questions because I'm sure there are a lot of questions out there that uh, we didn't think of things that we could have covered in these two episodes and in future episodes and we'd love to get some more feedback and we're happy to answer any questions so um, at some point I'll post uh, on Twitter and on Slack um, uh, an opportunity for people to ask us questions as well so um, but anyway thank you for listening and uh, I I know we, we mentioned it last episode and I'll mention it again today it's it's uh, really good just to be talking about baseball again. This is nice to just get back in that frame of mind and, and have a discussion with Niv and Chad. Um, it's great to talk to you guys, and uh, hopefully everybody found it as entertaining as we did as we discussed it. So thanks for listening, and we will uh, we will be with you guys next time. Bye. And they can play one more.